listening to the Broadcast Basement On Demand Radio Network. It's the podcast in the Broadcast Basement. Broadcastbasement.com. Coming to you from the Windy City Slam Studios in the southwest suburbs of Chicago, this is Windy City Slam Podcast. Welcome on in everyone, Mike Pankow here, the founder and editor of WindyCitySlam.com and the host of Windy City Slam Podcast. And boy, do we have an episode for you this week. Just coming back, uh, it was a huge week in Chicago wrestling this past weekend with all the great independent action, and then obviously AEW's All Out, some earth-shattering news coming out of that, and it was such an intense weekend. I had to go out of town for a few days beforehand to Mackinac Island up in Michigan and had a really nice time with my wife, Jen, and my wonderful three-year-old yellow lab, Obi. Got some R&R. Came back in town just in time to catch All Out, and it was a terrific event. CM Punk brought it in his return, but we'll get into that show in just a few moments. But I just want to mention our guest for this week, and it's a big one. And for the second time in the history of the show, the Chicago Bear Hug, Steve Michaels, will be joining us. People may know him from Bruin Championship Wrestling, which will be making its return later this month, as well as Ohio Valley Wrestling. So fun conversation upcoming with Steve Michaels in a few minutes. All right, let's get right to it. All out at the Now Arena in suburban Hoffman Estates Sunday night. And it was quite the show. Like I said, earth-shattering show. And this could have been the linchpin for AEW becoming a legitimate competitor to WWE. Just a little over two years into it is into its existence, AEW is here to stay. They're a major player. Tony Khan has got it going. Probably one of the best shows they've ever put on. Amazing stuff. And one of the big items from that show, CM Punk, Chicago's very own, making his in-ring return. He defeats Darby Allen after a GTS. A great, great match. The fans were really into it. A lot of psychology. Not a lot of high spots, as you might expect. A little bit from Darby Allen, but just a very solid paint-by-numbers. Um, great story with Punk coming back. Darby, a quality opponent for him. Strong match between Punk and Darby. And in the main event, let's get to this. Kenny Omega retains the AEW World Championship, defeating Christian Cage. And after that match is really where the news was made. Adam Cole comes out to interrupt a Kenny Omega promo, maybe looking like he might be a future challenger for Kenny Omega after Omega basically said, there's no one left for me to face. Everybody's either retired or dead or not here. Adam Cole comes out, comes into the ring, but then Cole attacks Christian Cage. And that just got things started with him joining in with the elite. And then after that, the beatdown from the elite on Christian Cage and Jurassic Express, 
Here comes Brian Danielson to make his debut in AEW, leading the Calvary back as the Elite gets chased off. So we had Adam Cole and Brian Danielson coming over from the WWE umbrella, joining AEW in an absolute coup of high-level wrestling talent. I mean, just amazing stuff from AEW. Can't wait to see the potential matchups down the line. I've been an Adam Cole fan for several years. He was one of the guys that really carried NXT. I'm a huge Undisputed Era fan. Sad to see them die out, but very excited to see Adam Cole in AEW to see what he will do in the coming months and next couple of years. We'll see what happens. A couple of other notes from the show. John Moxley defeats Kojima by pinfall, but then afterwards, Minoru Suzuki shows up and then there's a little showdown in the middle of the ring between Suzuki and Moxley, setting up a match on Dynamite this week, which should be absolutely ridiculous. In the AEW TNT Championship, Miro defeated Eddie Kingston. We had Britt Baker retaining the AEW Women's Championship, defeating Chris Statlander. And in one of the matches of the night, the Lucha Brothers, Penta El Zero Miedo, and Ray Phoenix, they win the championships from the Young Bucks in that steel cage match two years after that sick and incredible ladder match they had it all out in 2019. And I'm so glad to see the Lucha Brothers go to the top of AEW. They deserve it. I mean, they've been putting on great matches for the last couple of years. And it was time to see some fresh faces in that tag division. The Young Bucks, I mean, they got a little annoying with their heel tactics. And the awesome, just superb flying ability, Lucha style of the Lucha Brothers. Just, I'm definitely a huge fan of them. And they bring they bring it every night in every match that they do. And an incredible victory for them. Congratulations to the Lucha Brothers. And also we had Chris Jericho defeating MJF via the Lion Tamer to keep his career in AEW alive after the stipulation was he could have lost his career had he lost to MJF. MJF appeared to have the match won, but referee Aubrey missed Jericho's leg on the rope as she was counting the three count for MJF. Another ref came down and and told Aubrey about the mistake. The match was restarted. Jericho wins. And, of course, MJF is going to bitch about it. I'm sure he's going to start crying on Dynamite, and which actually would be kind of funny if they revisited an old WCW storyline for MJF because Chris Jericho had this great thing where he was a crybaby back in the mid-'90s with conspiracy theories and stuff like that. They had these vignettes where he went to Congress or the whatever in Washington, D.C., complaining about some of his losses and his conspiracy theories. Now I can totally see MJF reprising that character 25 years later. I think that would be kind of cool. Let's see where they go with that. Paul White defeats QT Marshall in a match I didn't expect to go long. That was kind of the buffer match between the Punk match and then the Omega Christian Cage main event. And Ruby Soho makes her debut in the Casino Battle Royal. She wins that match, becomes the number one contender for the AEW Women's Championship. She last eliminated Thunder Rosa to win that. I'll tell you right now, AEW, I mean, 
like I said, this could be a linchpin event for that company. Very exciting show. Very exciting times in professional wrestling. And we have a real war on our hands once again with talent between WWE and AEW. So stay tuned. Now turning real quick to some sad news. Rest in peace to Shannon Spruill, better known as Daphne. She competed in WCW and in Impact Wrestling. She passed away at 46, and it was an apparent suicide. And that just makes me very, very sad. And I understand what some of those people go through. I had a bout of depression earlier in my life, and very sad to see Daphne go. I always thought she was very talented, and from all accounts, a very good person from anybody who ever worked with her or met her or whatever. So rest in peace to Daphne. Flipping to local news, we're going to go rapid fire here. One local slash national item first, Cora Jade, formerly known as Elena Black. She debuted her new skater gimmick as part of NXT for 205 Live last week. Unfortunately, they had her lose to Amari Miller, which, I mean, come on, let's get Cora Jade some wins. Uh, she deserves it. She's Chicago homebred. We, we really love Cora Jade. And hopefully she'll have some better things to come in the next few weeks. Then we had the big Second City Summit, a bunch of quality independent shows. We had the Freelance and Freelance Underground, No Place Like Home event. And in the main event, who had some talents changed out, we had Dan Housen and Nick Gage defeating GPA and Frank the Clown in the main event. Plus we had Iron Demon Shane Mercer defeating Craig Mitchell in what should have been a hell of a match. Kevin Blackwood defeating Storm Grayson, and Trevor Outlaw gets the victory over Effie. Some huge momentum from Trevor Outlaw. He's been winning some matches lately, and he's looking good in there. Plus, we also have a new GCW champion, and it's AEW's own John Moxley. He defeats Matt Cardona in an open challenge. At Effie's Big Gay Brunch last Sunday, the main event, we had Jake Atlas, the former WWE slash NXT 205 live star, defeating Effie in that one. And the Second City Summit, I mean, they had Black Label Pro as well. And some of the wrestlers we saw also competing during the summit included the Powers of Pain, Juventud Guerrera, and Two Cold Scorpio, as well as Action Mike Jackson, who a lot of people may remember from wrestling for the old NWA in enhancement matches. So an amazing flashback there. Another show I want to touch upon, AAW Pro's Destination Chicago, last Thursday night in their return to Logan Square Auditorium. Maybe the independent show of the weekend. That main event was AAW champion Fred Yehi wrestling Josh Alexander to a good old-fashioned Broadway a 60-minute time limit draw. You never see that anymore. But AAW pulled that trick out, and by all accounts, a hell of a match. Also, Chicago area's own Juice Robinson defeats one called Manders. And congratulations to Jake Something and Stallion Rogers on becoming the new AAW Tag Team Champions by defeating Infamy. Also, congratulations to the new POW Entertainment Champion, Lost Soul, Chris Cairo. He defeats Scott Spade over the weekend at Twin Lakes at Rumples. A few shows this week coming up to watch out for. The final Summer of Zello show, Thursday night, September 9th, 
at Ozinga Field. That follows the Windy City Thunderbolts game in Crestwood. Friday night, Freelance Wrestling's return as a standalone show to Logan Square Auditorium. It's Remember the Name. Also Friday night, POW Entertainment presents Friday Night Lights at Teawood Bar and Grill in Wooddale. And in that one, we have Jimmy Blaze against Mason Perks in a rematch. And finally, one more national item of note, Sunday, September 12th, Ring of Honor returns to pay-per-view with Death Before This Honor. That will be in Lakeland, Florida, live on pay-per-view. All right. Our guest coming up next, the Chicago Bear Hug, Steve Michaels. Stay tuned. You're listening to Windy City Slam Podcast. Chicago wrestling news and guests every week with new episodes dropping every Tuesday. Check out some of the past guests such as The Good Brothers, Drama King Matt, Ryan Pillman Jr., Jesus Bryce, Laney Locke, Sabadonis, Ice Pick Vic Capri, plus recent guests like Busted Open Radio's Dave LaGreca, Cal Hero, Vic Hausman, and many, many more. You can find Windy City Slam wherever you download your favorite shows, like Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Podbean, Spotify, Stitcher, and as well as WindyCitySlam.com. All right, back here on Windy City Slam Podcast, and I am so very excited to have a return guest, a guy we had in our very early stages of the podcast last year. He's an emerging star with Ohio Valley Wrestling, and he's a huge part of Berwyn Championship Wrestling. Please welcome back to Windy City Slam Podcast, the Chicago Bear Hug, Steve Michaels. Hey, man. How's it going? Awesome. So glad to have you back on. Hey, man. I had a blast the first time. I've been, uh, been looking forward to coming back. Indeed. So Sunday night, this past weekend, AEW took over Chicago they finished off with an incredible all-out pay-per-view. We had a return in CM Punk in the ring. We had all these debuts with Adam Cole, Brian Danielson. He even had a Minoru Suzuki appearance. It was an incredible show. Uh, what did you think about it, Steve? And what stuck what stood out for you? Uh, you know, I I think for me, it was a great night for wrestling uh, for the business as a whole. Uh, AEW solidified itself as a top company. Um, they made it a place where wrestlers want to go to now. Um, and I think the show from, from top to bottom was pretty solid. Um, they've, they've definitely established themselves uh, as a company to be reckoned with. So what was your favorite moment from last night? If you can narrow it down, man, uh, I'm a, I'm a fan of Japanese wrestling. So seeing uh, Minoru Suzuki come out, uh, that popped me huge. Um, loved the CM Punk match. Um, for what it's worth, in my opinion, that was probably the best match on the show. Uh, if you're talking about a pure wrestling match. Um, and and the, the finish to that show with, with the double debut, I think that was that was a brilliant way to get both those guys in and uh, not negate e the importance of either one of them. Yeah, I really enjoyed the way they ended that show, uh, bringing back Adam Cole first, kind of teasing maybe he might be the guy that's going after Kenny, and then having him join the elite with his old buddies. 
and then having Brian Danielson come out to a raucous ovation, uh, amazing, amazing night. And I think you're right about punk, probably the, the best technical match psychology wise, you know, not necessarily a bunch of spots like we see in maybe in a young bucks, Lucha brothers match, but a very kind of, paint by numbers, meticulous kind of um, storytelling match, which I thought was really, really cool with Punk and Darby Allen. Absolutely. Yeah. And that was, that's really what got that match for me was the fact that it was the storytelling on, in it was so perfect. Um, if, if you rewatch it, those two did nothing for five minutes straight and they didn't need to do anything for the first five minutes of that match. The, the whole story was, you know, Punk's returning. Can he do it? Darby's this kid and, and, you know, is just kind of building it up. It was the slow burn. Um, it was a different kind of match for Darby. Um, you could tell that that Punk was leading that whole thing and, and the psychology was, was really solid on it. I loved it. Now turning to a little bit of your career, Ohio Valley wrestling and the legacy of brutality and you've been working with the Louisville-based OVW for a little over two years now um, in some singles matches, some tag team matches, faction-type matches. So tell me a little bit about the Legacy of Brutality and what they're doing right now in OVW. Yeah, uh, Legacy of Brutality, it's the longest-running faction uh, in OVW. Uh, it's created in 2016. It's got some of the biggest and baddest men in the company in it you've got uh cash flow got Isaiah, got big zoe our manager josh ashcraft all these guys are are brilliant in their own right all monsters in their own right and you combine us all together you know nin uh high's a ninja he's like a high flyer and but he he can mix it up and just beat you up and zoe's a big dude but that man can move and Cash will just beat the hell out of you. Um, and Josh is kind of the, the brains of the whole operation. And you add me into the mix and I'm the kind of the big, the, they call me the brutal bear of the group because I'm just the big kind of monster that just comes in and just, just beats you up and destroys you and uh, makes these other big men look small in comparison. So, um, you know, we, uh, we just had a, tag team title match uh ladder match uh, at the last pay-per-view uh cash was is a recently former ovw heavyweight champion uh high was our rush division champion for a while there i mean when when you're with the legacy brutality that's that means gold now what's the end game for you steve michaels in ovw i mean i'd be lying if i said I didn't want the OVW heavyweight championship. Um, I, my focus currently is the tag titles. Um, when I joined the LOB, I became a tag champion. Uh, we, we worked Freebird rules for a long time there. Uh, I want my tag titles back. You know, I, I, I want to win them again. I want to earn those titles back and, and bring the, the tag gold, which is, you know, the LOB is the longest running OVW tag champs in the history of the company. And that's a fact. And I want to bring that gold back to the family. 
So what's it like working with guys like Al Snow and some of the other veterans that run OVW? Man, it's a, it's, it's a fun kind of learning experience. Um, Al has, I think everybody's seen Al's YouTube videos where he talks about the business and, and, uh, and, and that's Al. Um, but he's a, he's a fun guy to be around too and to talk with. And um, I've been doing a lot of one-on-one work with Doug Basham. Um, Doug is such an underrated talent in professional wrestling, such an underrated tag performer in professional wrestling. Um, the things that that man has been able to teach me um, and polish up with me and continues to polish up with me um, is innumerable. You know, I mean, we've we've just got these guys that are backstage that are just kind of hanging out um, and our, our agents that are helping us put this stuff together and um, to just to sit on under those different learning trees is I'm very grateful for it. And I asked this of Cal Hero, who was on our show a few weeks ago, and he's been toiling down in OVW for a while himself. What is it like to be walking around in Davis Arena, the same place young wrestlers such as John Cena, Randy Orton, Batista, and the like grew up and got into the business? Man, it's it's the coolest feeling in the world. Um, there's backstage, you know, what you see on TV that arena has has slightly changed. Once you go backstage, you can see things that were there from when Cena was there. That entrance that was there when uh, WWE owned OVW is still there. It's just backstage. You know, the big murals on the wall were there when Cena was there and, and Lesnar was there and uh, Batista was there. You know, there's there's a sense of history to uh to that company and I, I i'll never forget when i first showed up um my first day i walked into that building and to see that ring and you know i i was a tape trader and to watch those tapes as a kid growing up and seeing the davis arena on on my tv as i'm watching it and then to physically enter that building and see the things that I, I watched as a kid was very humbling. And it, it's, I try not to let that be lost on me to this day. Um, Cause there's a lot of names that have come through there before me. Uh, and I'm just, I'm honored to be on that list. You're in your early thirties, right, Steve? Yes. So you were probably around eight, nine, 10, 11 years old when the Monday night wars were going on. And what was that like as a child kind of taking that in as a wrestling fan? Man, it was, it was wild. Um, my, my dad would flip between the two shows. So that was how I got into it. My mom never was really into wrestling, but my dad always was into it. So I would watch Nitro and Raw and commercial breaks i remember my dad would switch to nitro and we'd watch nitro until they hit their commercials then we'd go back to raw and um as a fan there's there was just so much going on so much talent and and so many different like characters and storylines and all that like it was a good time to be a fan it was such a good time to be a fan now lots of different 
wrestlers and talents had a hand in your development in training. Could you just tell me a little bit about uh, who trained you and um, how they got you to where you are today? Sure. Um, I did about a year and a half at Team 3D. Um, I got a lot of my basics there. Um, a lot of my training regiment uh, was from there. Um, and Devon and Bubba were always great to me. Um, Dan Carr, who was the head trainer there, was always great to me. Um, but there came a time where I needed to, I did for my own career, I needed to sit under a different learning tree. And, and I felt like learning different styles would be beneficial. Uh, and that's when I went to Pro Wrestling 2.0. And there, uh, that place was owned by, or is owned by Alex Porto. Uh, he wrestled as the pug uh, in WWE in the, the mid-90s. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I got there, their head trainer was Jesus Rodriguez. And Jesus is still a mentor of mine. I still talk to him online uh, whenever I can. And that man really helped me um, change my mindset of the way I was looking at things. Um, I wasn't in a, a great place mentally at the time. And he, he kind of, he opened my, my eyes and opened my world up. Um, they had their secondary trainers at the time were this tag team called the brothers Lockhart, who uh, I don't think a lot of people have heard of, but they were such a good tag team, really fun guys, technically sound. Uh, they were trained by the Ganyas. Um, they were the last students uh, uh, of Vern Gagne and learned so much from them uh, in the technical aspect of things. Uh, Mecca Wolf showed up there shortly thereafter once Jesus left, learned a lot from Mecca Wolf. Um, and that man, uh, I'm so glad to see he's doing great things now with NWA. He's he's earned that. Um then I'm, I moved back to Chicago and um, now I'm, I'm doing stuff with, with OVW and getting an opportunity to, to do some training uh, with, with the likes of Doug Basham and Tony Gunn down there, uh, who's another great mind at OVW and uh, just, just very lucky. That's so awesome. A lot of great people. And Jesus Rodriguez is uh, Ricardo Rodriguez, correct? Yes, yes. He's, he's better known to, to the fans as Ricardo Rodriguez. Um, but uh, what a lot of people don't know is he is a really, really good wrestler. Um, he, he wrestles, does a lot of Lucha stuff uh, under a hood. And that man, that man can work. Uh, and so I was, I was lucky to, to get to befriend him and, and call him a mentor now. Yeah, he's a talented dude. I mean, I saw him a little bit as El Locale down in NXT. And I mean, that guy can can do some stuff. I mean, yeah, he's got the great voice, the whole ring announcer shtick and all that. But I just thought maybe he could have been utilized a little bit better in WWE. You know, I I think what they used him, the way they used him was beneficial uh, because he's a good talker. He knows how to use a mic and he can cut a promo. Um. But when they needed to put him in the ring, uh, like when they, they put him in there with RVD and stuff, and everybody was like, oh, he's he's just a manager. And then you see him doing hurricane runners and taking crazy bumps and stuff, and everyone, it kind of changes the perspective of things. Mm-hmm. 
so I think the way that they kind of downplayed it until they absolutely needed to uh, probably helped them out quite a bit. Yeah, that RVD thing was kind of cool, too. I remember going to a Raw back in, I believe, uh, 2013 or 2014, and uh, there was uh, Ricardo with RVD. So I thought that was an interesting little pairing that they had there. Yeah, it was it was a weird tag team because you wouldn't expect, you know, the, the manager of Alberto Del Rio to be in a tag team with Rob Van Dam. Yeah. And it it somehow worked. It somehow worked. And now um, turning to local stuff for you, and you've been a Berwyn Championship wrestling guy pretty much since they got off the ground a few years ago. And coming up, the company's returning for the first time in over a year with the return at the Berwyn Eagles Club. And it's Saturday night, September 18th. And you, sir, the Chicago Bear Hug Steve Michaels, will be taking on another big man who I really have seen develop over the last few years, Mike Strong. Yeah, um, man, I'm excited to, on a personal level, I'm very excited to get back to the Eagles club. Um, it's, I've missed that place so much. I've missed the fans. I've missed that locker room. Um, but as a professional, I'm, I'm really looking forward to working with Mike strong. Um, I've seen him develop, uh, just in my time with Berwyn, um, seen him develop and become a, a better wrestler, become a better person. And uh, this, I believe, is the first time we're actually getting to fight. Um, so I'm, I'm kind of, I'm looking forward to it. it it's definitely going to be a brawl. You know, Mike's a, Mike Strong's a, a tough dude. He's, he calls himself a juggernaut for a reason. Um, and he'll, you know, he'll, he'll punch you in the face, and and you can punch him in the face, and he'll come back for more. Um, but I'm, I'm stronger, and I'm bigger, and I'm tougher, and I, I think the, the outcome of that match is inevitable. And Mike is a big guy, yeah, but he has some agility, too, for uh, for a guy that his size. Uh, how do you think you're going to be able to combat that? You know, it. he may be faster, but I've I've been lucky in my time with OVW to have a tag partner like Big Zoe. And Big Zoe reminds me a lot of Mike Strong. And... By being around somebody just like him for as much as I have been, I think I I know what his weaknesses are. And I think I can understand how to slow him down and how to beat him and how to catch him off guard. You know, Berwyn Championship Wrestling has seen a lot from Steve Michaels in the past, you know, two years, but they haven't seen all my tricks yet. Now, this is going to be an interesting show on September the 18th. And before the pandemic hit, Berwyn Championship Wrestling had some really cool shows. A lot of veteran guys of the Chicago area. And then there may be a few faces that people may not have known, which is really kind of a great attraction to a good company. And now they're even bringing in some more younger talent for the return. So I am very excited to see this eclectic mix of talent. You got guys like uh, Chris Shogun Logan. You got the N-Words. You got Vic Capri. We got Garrison Cree, and then we got younger guys like Darius Luttrell, Trevor Outlaw, Jordan Cross is going to be on this show. So in a few words, could you just describe what Berwyn Championship Wrestling is going to bring to the fans on their return? Man, Berwyn is going to bring everything that a fan can want to see in a professional wrestling show. You're going to have high flyers. You're going to see some Lucha stuff. You're going to see people just punching each other in the face. You're going to see brawls. 
I mean, if there's going to be something for everybody in, at this show, and uh, whether you like the established names in the Chicago area, like Vic Capri, Shogun Chris Logan, or if you like seeing some of these younger guys, you're going to be able to get it. All right. Now, uh, some personal questions and stuff that you really love and really have gotten into over the years. We talked to you last time about the Windy City Ghostbusters and how big of a part you were with them. And then the, the cosplay, the charity events and all that. And now I'm so sure you are so excited about this. In just a couple of short months, Ghostbusters Afterlife hits theaters. And I just watched a trailer before I got in here with you. What do you think of the whole trailer and of Ghostbusters coming back into the mainstream in 2021? Man, I'm ready for this. Um, I've, this is a movie I've literally waited my whole life for. Um, and watching that trailer, I got the, I got chills because it was, it brought me back to my childhood as being a fan of those movies and seeing, you know, seeing the practical effects and seeing the proton packs again and seeing, you know, hearing uh hearing dan's voice at the end of it you know in his in his occult bookshop like it was everything i i wanted as a ghostbusters fan um and i i i can't wait it, that movie's been delayed for so long and i think i think it's probably to the betterment of the film that because i mean the uh, jason's a fan jason reitman who directed uh, Ghostbusters Afterlife is a fan you know I mean he's the son of Ivan Reitman who directed the original films and uh, he had a bit part in Ghostbusters 2 and all this stuff but like the fact that he was able to sit on this film for basically another year and just kind of tinker with it to perfect it I think is going to make this something really special can't wait for that to come out as well being an 80s kid falling in love with Ghostbusters and gremlins and back to the future and obviously back to the future for me one of my favorites of all time too yeah i could talk all day about the back to the future franchise that's that's another good film for series man for real yeah i could watch that anytime it pops on one of the cable channels i'm like i gotta sit down and watch it because you know i'm hooked oh yeah it's such good storytelling and and it's it's such a fun concept you know let's go back 20 years let's go forward 20 years Let's go back a hundred years. Like, like it's it's really smart. Now I know you're a huge Cubs fan, and on the video portion that I'm doing with you right now, I see your wall filled with all kinds of Cubs memorabilia and newspapers framed and stuff like that. And I'm sure you had the time of your life in 2016 when this team finally, finally broke through and won a World Series. What was that like for you? Man, I was I was actually living in Florida training at the time. Um, so I I watched all of those games uh, from my apartment in Florida. Uh, I did fly back for, uh, I think it was game five. No, it was, uh, it was game four of the World Series um, to watch that at Wrigley with my mom. Um, but it was... Man, that was fun. That was fun times. I, I remember sitting on my couch watching Game Seven, and uh, just once it happened, just this wave of just kind of like calm, almost. Where it's like, okay, it's it's done. Like like they did it finally. Um, and then I then I had to try and get my make my way back home for the uh, 
for the parade, which was a nightmare because uh, I almost missed my flight. So, um, but yeah, that was that was a good time. It's not as fun this year, uh, but they're the Cubs. Yeah, I mean, lovable losers to great champions back in 2016. And that great core that they had with uh, Chris Bryant and Anthony Rizzo, Javier Baez, all those guys getting traded this year. It was really, really sad. And uh, I, as a Chicago fan, it, it was heartbreaking to see the, the team get broken up. Uh, what was your thoughts about all that, Steve? You know, I, I, had, a, I had a hard time for a few days over that. Um, I had mentally prepared myself for at least one or two trades, um, them probably getting rid of, of Bryant, them probably getting rid of Baez, um, was not prepared for them to get rid of Rizzo. Um, and once Rizzo was traded first, I, like, I mentally knew it was over, um, because the other two were as good as gone in my own head. Um, and I was, uh, <laughs> you, you could ask a couple of the guys uh, down at OVW about this, because I was, that Friday, I was driving from Louisville uh, to just outside of um, Paducah, Kentucky for a house show. And I was listening to MLB radio the whole drive and just hearing the trades come in and, you know, okay, there goes Baez. Okay, there goes Bryant. And I'm just now driving in silence in my car, just like, okay, well, that's, it's done. Like there's, there's nothing we can do about it at this point. And um, luckily, you know, there, some of the, the guys they've pulled up from, uh, from the miners have been doing really well um, and have stepped up to take hold of the opportunity they've been given. Um, so I've, I've got hope for the future. Um, but this this past back half of the season has been rough to watch. Yeah. And fortunately, at least they've had a little bit of a winning streak uh, before we recorded here, uh, like five or six in a row. And then they had a game where they had two grand slams. I, some of these younger guys are pretty amazing right now. And they've actually given a glimmer of hope for the future. Yeah, exactly. Uh, it's as, as of now it's six in a row. Um, and I was at the game uh yesterday where they they hit the two grand slams um and that that game tied an mlb record for the most grand slams in one game with three grand slams hit um combined between the two teams but yeah it's it's nice to see these guys just taking the opportunity and and realizing there's kind of a power vacuum on this team now and that people need to step up and there's an opportunity to be a star and there's an opportunity to be a franchise player. And, you know, some of these young guys like Frank Schwindel, they're, they're stepping up. Uh, Patrick Wisdom, they're stepping up. And they're, they're making the most of this chance because they, they don't know if, if, if they'll get another opportunity like this. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm hopeful for next season. But, you know, we'll, we'll see what the offseason brings. Steve, what is the future for the Chicago Bear Hug? Man, um, well, I am I am currently under contract with Ohio Valley Wrestling, uh, so I will be with OVW for the foreseeable future. Um, Berwyn Championship Wrestling is my home here in Chicago, um, and there's there's no question about that. 
Uh, so you can expect to see me at Berwyn Championship Wrestling as long as Berwyn Championship Wrestling wants me there. Um, and as long as OVW allows me to be there. Um, but I'm, I'm going to keep doing what I'm doing. Um, you know, I'm going to keep making a name for myself across the country, across the, the globe. And, um, you know, one, one of these days, who, who knows where you're going to see Steve Michaels at. And before we let you go, um, could you tell the fans your social media and any upcoming events that you have? Absolutely. Yeah. You can follow me on uh, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, all at Chicago Bear Hug. Um, you can uh, get my merch at Pro Wrestling Tees slash Chicago Bear Hug. Um, we've got the, the Berwyn show on September 18th um, in Berwyn at the Eagles Club. Um, every Thursday night, for those watching uh, or and listening in the Kentucky area, uh, you can catch OVW Wrestling Live uh, as we film our TV um, that airs nationally on the Fight Network Live um, at the Davis Arena in Louisville. Um, and, you know, I've uh, follow my social media and, and I'll have all that info up there uh, for upcoming appearances. And um, just to, to do a quick plug on something uh, on the more personal side, coming up on uh, the 11th, uh, the Windy City Ghostbusters is doing its second annual Trivia Bowl uh, for charity. Uh, we've got 16 teams uh, Ghostbuster teams from across the the U.S. and Canada that are all um, going to be live together uh, via Zoom, uh, answering trivia questions, all for charity. Uh, each team is the winning team um, is going to get over a thousand dollars for their charity, um, and yeah, I mean it. Tune into that. It, it's going to be a really fun thing to watch. We've got uh, got a few surprises up our sleeves for that um, that I, I can't, I don't want to spoil, but it's going to be worth tuning in. And you can check that out on our Facebook and YouTube. And I think there will be links on our, our Instagram and stuff. That sounds awesome. And I know the Windy City Ghostbusters are a lot of fun and true to your heart. So that's, that's very cool. Thank you. Yeah, it's uh this this has been a labor of love. Um, we've had had some minor setbacks due to uh, personal stuff amongst some of the members uh, that we've had to delay this a little bit. But uh, on the eleventh, it it's all systems go. All right, Steve. Thanks for coming on and go Chicago Bear Hug. And we hope to see you at Berwyn Championship Wrestling on Saturday, September eighteenth. Hey, thank you again so much for having me. It's been an honor. All right, as usual, a fun conversation with the Chicago Bear Hug, Steve Michaels. Can't wait to see him return to the Chicago area for Berwyn Championship Wrestling. That'll be September 18th at the venerable Berwyn Eagles Club, and it'll be a fun show for sure. All right, next week, we are welcoming back two previous guests, but we're going to try something a little different this time. It will be a face-to-face -face showdown between the Ice Pit, Vic Capri, and yours rudely, Trevor Outlaw. 
where they will preview their upcoming match for Berwyn Championship Wrestling on September 18th. So, a very unique show ahead here on Windy City Slam Podcast. So long, everybody. Windy City Slam.